You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode number 50 called 20 EdTech Tools to Try in 2020. In this episode, Nick and I compile a list of 20 new EdTech tools that we want to try in the new year. If you need some inspiration for classroom projects or just some help getting organized, this is the episode you've been waiting for. Check it out. We are back, episode number 50. I feel like we need some awesome like background music right now, some fireworks and the whole whole nine yards. This is our first mini milestone. I'm going to call it a mini one, but Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and yeah, I like how you pointed out this is a milestone. We always start the episode sort of by commenting on how excited we are that we actually did another episode. It's starting to seem uh, sort of just like our thing now because it's how we always begin. I think it's because we're both so excited that we're still doing the podcast and we're still enjoying it. And But this is the first one where maybe it's actually worthwhile to say because this is episode 50. So it's actually a number that might mean something definitely to us and hopefully to our, our listeners as well. So we're, we're excited to be here for episode 50. And I think it's extra cool that it is also the first episode of 2020. So new year, new decade, and a nice mini milestone for Got Tech the podcast. And to start it off, we've got three favors we want to ask you guys. Uh, one of those is simply subscribing to our podcast if you are a regular listener, if you check in with us even just from time to time. Uh, we're on a lot of different platforms. So whether you listen through Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, any of these, we even started publishing stuff to YouTube. So maybe you prefer to uh, listen to our shows there. Uh, subscribe to us. It helps us uh, kind of grow and helps us spread the word and, and let more and more educators know about some of the cool stuff that technology can do yeah so if if you like us subscribe to us and also you can go over to apple Podcasts and rate us or write a review for us we'd uh, greatly appreciate it the last thing you could do is just tell your friends through the social media you know twitter instagram stuff like that you can tell them about gottech.com you can uh, tell them to connect with us on twitter that would be awesome so happy 2020 to all You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTech. As Nick said earlier, we have a fantastic episode for you today. It's filled with some new technology, new ed tech tools and apps and things that uh, Nick and I have been playing around with over break. And we even talked about some of these uh, things before break. And we had some listeners reach out to us about some of these uh, these tools that are used uh, in the classroom that makes educators' lives a little bit easier. So we just wanted to go over a couple of them today in today's episode. Uh, this is one of my favorite episodes to do just because I feel like every listener learns something. And even I learn things as we do this because Nick has a couple that I've never heard of. So I'm really looking forward to learning about those. 
Yeah, we love doing list shows like this. Um, but I think the best part about this one is we really tried to hit, uh, in the spirit of the new year and especially the fact that it is a brand new decade, we tried to hit um, almost exclusively things that we haven't talked about before. There's sort of been, uh, I don't know if it's it's just that we've noticed it, but I, I feel like there's sort of this recent, like a mini explosion of new and different things being developed out there for teachers. So of course, there's our old favorites that, we've, uh, that we like to bring up all the time, but we're trying to bring you guys some brand new ones today that uh, at least we haven't heard about and we hope can bring something different to the table. So do you care if I start it off or no, do you have I, one you want to begin with? I think you should go ahead. Thanks. All right. This is one of my favorite things and it's kind of reminds me of something I brought up in a previous episode. Uh, Google Image has a feature where you can scan. Usually this is generally through your phone you would do this, but um, you hold up your phone's camera and uh, the Go- Google will recognize whatever is in the frame of the camera and it will search based on that. So I use this a lot of time. Actually, just the other day, there was a bug in my kitchen and I hadn't recognized it before. I was like, what the heck is that thing? So I turned on uh, open Google, hit the little camera image, held my phone's camera up to the bug and Google recognized what it was and searched based on that and were able to identify it. it was I think it was called like an assassin bug or something else. But uh, so I was like, man, that's such a cool thing. But now uh, we just found out that you can also search an image uh, via Google using your browser where this is an extension called search an image and it allows you to initiate a Google search by using an image that's on the web. So within the browser. So you, you add this extension to your Chrome and then just with an image that's, you know, within the Chrome browser, you can search that and have an and have Google do an image search based on that. So this would be without the phone, something in real life, but something on the web that you want to search based on the image. So that could be pretty cool in your class if you've got something you want the students to investigate and maybe research, find a little bit of information about, but now you can use the image instead of typing in the word. Yeah, what I like about this is a lot of times students take forever to find the perfect image. And just by hovering over an image, it will bring up any relatable image as well. And that would be a good way to cut down that time it takes for students to find that perfect image for that project. So I love how you kind of brought the use of the tooling. Maybe we should do that throughout the episode. I'm going to go on to a different way. And I'm just going to throw it out there that anytime I work, I get distracted. And uh, I don't like the, I don't know, the focus extensions, the focus apps that, you know, as long as I'm on task, a little plant or a tree grows or something like that. And I don't necessarily like to see how long I've been on, you know, distracting web pages. But I do like to keep things very simple as I work. And one way that you could do that is using an extension called Distraction Free Mode for Google Docs. And it's also for Google uh, Slides as well. The Distraction Free Mode for Google Docs and Slides hides all controls and buttons and let you just focus on creation. And I think that's that's key. So we have these toolbars up top that allows you to bold, italicize, and stuff like that. If you can learn the simple shortcuts for everything, you could just get to go to town on a blank canvas. All right. So when you have this extension on, uh, you can basically just have this big white screen or you could change the color of the screen. But to me, white is just just fine. And you just go to work. Maybe you're doing a pre-writing assignment and all you need to do is worry about writing and not worry about the format. But you could still format if you hit like control B, that's going to bold something, control I, that's going to italicize something. So you could still use those tools, but you don't need that toolbar there distracting you. It doesn't need to be perfectly formatted. You don't need to worry about the margins. Use 
distraction free mode. So it works for both Google Docs, Google Slides. It hides all the controls, all the buttons, and lets you focus on writing and creating. And you could also put it into full screen mode so nothing else shows but that canvas, which is pretty cool. This might be cool if you're doing like a free write in an English class where you just want the kind of stream of consciousness. Kids are just typing and writing creatively without any distractions at all. I really like that one. Another one of my favorite new discoveries is uh, sort of like an image editing website. If you are interested in making your presentations or maybe videos that your screen recording uh, look as nice and professional as possible, uh, one of the best ways to do that is to make sure that the images you use have a transparent background. It doesn't look super great if you have a picture, let's just say a sandwich popped into my head, picture of a sandwich, but the sandwich image is square because it's sitting on a table. So you're not really just including the image of the sandwich. You've got the sandwich, but then this sort of awkward rectangle of, I don't know, whatever the table surface is, maybe wood or something behind it. That can look okay, but usually it looks a little bit a little bit shoddy. So one of my favorite things to do is search Google specifically for transparent background images. So when I put that sandwich image into my slide, it's literally just the sandwich. It blends and it just looks a little bit nicer. But sometimes you can't find those, right? The only sandwich picture you can find has a background. It's a square image and it doesn't look super great. Well, there's a website called remove.bg and remove.bg allows you to upload an image of your choosing to the site and it will automatically remove the background and turn it into a transparent image for you. It works really, really good, surprisingly well for something that happens in seconds. You could go through the process and remove that yourself with something like Photoshop, but that takes time, that takes training, this takes pretty much no effort at all. Upload it and then re-download that new transparent image and um, it works better than you think. So check that out for your next presentation. Yeah, so I'm gonna hop to something that I just started doing this year. And um, I went out and I actually got a second monitor for my desktop setup at work. And I never thought I would like it, so I never did it before. One of the uh, our colleagues told me that it's the best thing ever once you get used to it. So I started messing around with two monitors. I just hooked up a spare monitor that we had around. Uh, and I really enjoyed it, but since we have some work going on at school, I didn't have the room to set it up. So I found something that I could use on one monitor. It's called Dualess, uh, D-U-A-L-L-E-S-S. -S. It's an extension that will split your screen in two and let you work on uh, two monitors within one screen. So it's, it's pretty cool, especially when I'm doing data entry or if I'm trying to look at a resource and take notes on that resource into like a sheet or uh, Google Docs or something like that when I'm comparing two screens. Duelist makes it very, very easy. You know, it's kind of like the person that can't afford to go out and get that second monitor. It brings an option for that person, which is me. So it's pretty cool. You could resize those size of the screen. So if one is a little bit more important, you don't need the full half screen for the other one. You can make one a little bigger than the other one. I could see this as being used in science labs when students are transferring their notes over to some type of a graph or they're taking their data points that they collected and they were making graphs, something like that. Uh, so check out Duelist. I think it's uh, one of those productivity apps that are extensions that are, you know, really going to help out. Yeah, that's great. For me, the issue is 
always just being too lazy to go get a second monitor. It's something I've been saying I'm going to do for a while, but I never actually, for some reason, do it. So I'm definitely going to check that out. Uh, I'm going to stick with my sort of graphic theme for a minute here. We discovered something a couple days ago called easel.ly. That's E-A-S-E-L dot L-Y. If you are into infographics at all, either making them or having your students create them as part of a class project, we talk about lots of different things that can do this for you. Our favorite one, of course, being Canva. Canva recently released Canva for Education. Um, If you want another one that seems to be equally as good and equally as free for your students to use, uh, definitely check out easel.ly. It's an infographic builder. It's got tons and tons and tons of different sort of templates that the kids can log in. They can log in with their Google account. If you're a Google school, it takes no time. Like I said, it's completely free to use most of these things. There is a premium version if you want to pay for it, but of course, probably going to stick to the free one, especially for your students. I was talking to a teacher this morning who we actually have issues with Canva for security reasons at our school. So easel.ly, I recommend it as, a, as another option. Uh, to her since the kids can just log in and and use that instead and they can create really professional looking documents. She was going to have her kids make a infographic uh, in place of a traditional lab report and going to use easel.ly for that. So check it out. Uh, My next one, I was working with a special ed population and the one student came up to me and says, do you have something where I could just speak into the computer and it's going to accurately type what I'm saying. And he emphasized accurately because a lot of these uh, voice-to-text programs, they aren't very accurate. And he felt like he was spending more time going back to make corrections than actually doing the project. So uh, I went out and I explored a little bit. And one that I found that I really, really love right now is called Voice Note. Two. This is an extension and it just allows you to go into, picture a big notepad, you just click one button and you start talking. And it is super easy to use and it's super accurate. Um, I did a seven sentence paragraph speaking. I tried to speak as fast as I can, which is not that fast. (laughs) And it was super accurate for me. The kid used it and reported back that he absolutely loves this. It saved him so much time. He's very grateful for it. So go check out Voice Note 2. That's awesome. This next one is is more your style, guys, but it does, it actually kind of caught my eye. So I'm going to throw it in here to our list today. It's called Link Clump, spelled just like it sounds, the word link and then the word clump all put together. This is also an extension. I mean, what it gives you the ability to do is sort of drag like a selection box. So if you can imagine sort of clicking and dragging around a series of things, you can do that in your Chrome browser by moving your mouse. And when you do that, any link that you drag over, it will automatically open those links in a bunch of new tabs, new windows. It also gives the option to whatever links you've sort of dragged this selection box around, you can save them as bookmarks or put them in a clipboard. Uh, There's other tools that do this. I think we may have mentioned a couple of these before, things like Snap Links or uh, Multi Links. If you happen to be a Firefox user, um, but Link Clump sounds really cool. A lot of times I am looking at a page. Uh, some of the online labs that I have my kids investigate is like a uh, pre-lab to some larger uh, real-life experiment. Requires opening a bunch of different links. So with this, you can sort of tell them you can just click and drag and everything gets opened up in different tabs for you ready to go. There might also be some productivity uses in your own sort of planning and prep that this could be useful for. So Link Clump is kind of like a nice, cool, easy thing to try out if it sounds like something you want to use. Yeah, that does sound like it's up my alley and everything, but there are a couple other extensions that's going to compete with. So I'll try it out, see how I like it, see where if that's going to make it into my daily mix or not. But uh, my next one actually came to us from a listener. We did a podcast episode on curating collections, and this is where we talked about like music, 
pictures, videos, things like that, that are from the common collective where anyone can use it for free for whatever projects that they want. And I was told about, if you go to a site, it's Pick Wizard. It'll be in the show notes, but if you go there, they have tons and tons and tons of free stock videos and pictures. And I went there and I was like, how did I not know about this? Because this is like all of the other curated collections, but just on steroids. I mean, there's so much there. There's uh, background videos that you could use for green screening. Some of them look very, very cool. It is a freemium, uh, but there is a premium or some of the uh, images, videos, you would have to pay for if you wanted to use but they have so many free things on there i'm sure everyone could find something and from the first time i looked at this about a month ago to now i mean the amount that of the collection that is now new is unreal i mean i i, I want to say that they almost doubled in size it seems like to me so i would definitely go out and check pick wizard uh see what they have to offer because i think that's really going to be maybe a one-stop shop for pictures and videos for you to use as well as your students yeah we expect pick wizard to pro- possibly be the largest collection of free available images uh that that anybody can use but of course we're talking about teachers here uh, so i'm really really excited about that one um, one of my other favorites is called Chromebook App Hub. In the Chromebook App Hub, it's really, uh, the, the possibilities are endless. It's basically the, a gigantic repository for education ideas. Um, I'm on the main page of Chromebook App Hub right now, and just some of the things I'm seeing at the top. 321 Pyramid Chart gives students a new way to summarize a reading video or podcast by using a strategy called 321 Pyramid Chart. Another one, 3-Minute Text Set. Use a 3-Minute Text Set to engage students in an inquiry of learning as they explore richly curated content. Um, these are the descriptions of some of the activities offered here, uploaded by real teachers in real time. If you need an idea and you're getting bored with a lesson, Chromebook App Hub is the first place you need to go because there are just tons and tons and tons of things like what I just read to you guys. So uh, definitely worth checking out. All right, we're going to move on to my next one, which is plot.ly. This is a way of making these beautiful tables and graphs uh, through data. Uh, so you're going to import your data into a table and then you're going to decide what type of graph or visual representation that you want that data to be put into whether it's a scatter plot a bar graph a histogram vertical horizontal some type of a timed plot line graph uh, any of these things are possible and then these graphs can be embedded or downloaded Uh, so especially if you're if you have to produce a uh, some type of data, whether it's a table, a chart, or a graph, you could easily put that into your lab report that you're writing up. So this would be huge for the science and math area uh, for sure. But any time that you're ever collecting data, this is a great way to show a visual representation of that data. Yeah, I just went through a big giant graphing activity with my AP chemistry students, and we used we always did Excel, of course, but now with uh, Chromebooks, we had to kind of switch over to Sheets. And I, I will say that looking at Plotly, it looked like a really user-friendly kind of version of that. It still gives you like a little, uh, it's like a spreadsheet template basically, but it sort of makes the graph automatically for you as you input the data. So we haven't played around with this one too much yet, but if you are a graph maker in your class, definitely check Plotly out because I, you might find it easier to use than um, than some of the other options out there. Uh, I want to jump over to a strange one for me, not something that I typically talk about, but I really jumped out as something that could be pretty cool. Uh, It's called Lyrics Training. Uh, Lyrics Training would be for uh, your world language teachers or any classroom that's trying to sort of teach, you know, teach students to learn a different language. Or if you've got uh, ESL students, then it might help them uh, sort of get more comfortable with their English. Pretty much what it does is it uses music uh, 
uh, and lyrics of uh, people's favorite songs to kind of help you learn whatever language that song is in. So you get to improve uh, your your listening skills by watching the music video, singing along. It shows you the lyrics. Um, it kind of does like a fill in the gap lyric style thing as you're listening, almost karaoke style. Um, and that's what really got my attention with this is take something that's really super fun. Everybody loves doing karaoke. Everybody loves listening to music. And with lyrics training, you sort of get to tie those two things together. On top of that, you are learning a different language as you go. So that one I think could be really great for a classroom. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the world language teachers will definitely be implementing that tool. Yeah. Uh, it sounds really, really cool. My next one is probably more for teachers than it is for students, but I could see students using it as well. It's called Twitter Web. Uh, Twitter Web, basically, there are slight differences f- with the application of Twitter when using it on your computer versus using it on your phone. I always use Twitter on my phone because I'm always carrying my phone, but there are also some things that I like the functionality of Twitter on my phone better. Uh, I'm able to save uh, certain things a lot easier from Twitter on my phone. So now, if you use Twitter Web, it allows you to bring or make your desktop basically just your phone. So the same uh, app for Twitter is now going to be used the same way on your computer. And that's huge for me because I like to save things. If if there's a infographic that I like, I save it. If there's a quote that I like, I save it. So this is going to allow me to save things to my computer a lot easier. Whereas before with the desktop version, it just wasn't that easy. I felt it always was a little bit harder that way. So I'm very excited about that one. So I'm going to use it to grow my PLN. Students can use it if they have some type of a Twitter chat that the teacher is running and everyone had to share a resource. They can now easily use Twitter web to save any of the things that the other students shared to their Google Drive or to their desktop or whatever storage area that they have on their device. Awesome. That sounds like a big time saver. I've got um, another really cool one. It's called Auto Highlight. This is a, another Chrome extension that sort of jumped out to me. It probably would have been one of my top picks out of this list if we were ranking these. Auto Highlight, any classroom where you're doing some kind of reading comprehension or sort of teaching the kids you know, how to sort of weed through an article, maybe a complex article to sort of increase the, uh, the level at which they can read text. But Auto Highlight is an extension. They sort of developed an algorithm that takes an article or any text uh, in the Chrome browser and it automatically highlights whatever it thinks the most important parts of that article are. And you can you can have different settings. I'm pretty sure if you click uh, like once versus clicking twice, you can sort of change the type of coverage you get, like minimal coverage where it'll only do very, very, whatever it thinks at least are very, very important things versus sort of a little bit broader. So it might be highlighting more or less. Um, simplest use of this to sort of just help your students weed through an article and make that part of the discussion about maybe hitting the you know the key topics of, a mar- of an article before you dive in a little more deeply to read it yourself or a little bit more valuable perhaps is have them use auto highlight but then have them go back themselves and for each highlighted region try and determine if they agree with that algorithm is that actually a key sense should it be highlighted and the, the developer the developers of this actually ask for feedback so if you notice a highlight that actually isn't very good and isn't very key they would like to know that so you could maybe even build in having your students give some of that feedback straight into the app developers um, themselves to sort of tie this into the real world a little bit more but I think this one could be pretty powerful all right so the next one I'm not sure how you pronounce it but 
I'm going to say scribal because it's like scribble, the word scribble without a B. So there's one less B there. So I'm going to go scribal toolbar is the name of the extension. And it offers the best way to annotate, tag, and share online articles and web pages and save them to your scribal account. So the extension places a scribal button to the right of your address bar. And while you're uh, browsing the web, you can click the button to load the scribal tool toolbar on web pages and use it. So you can richly annotate articles with multiple styles, whether it's highlight, bold, underline, etc. And you can change the colors to flag uh, critical pages. So you're going to capture your insight by adding sticky notes to anchor to particular parts of the articles. And you're going to categorize your annotations to type and color with dynamic legends to give them meaning uh, for your markup. So this is a great way to do some research during your class. So really students can benefit from this. Uh, you're marking up uh, web pages using the scribal toolbar and then you can share them with others via email, Facebook, Twitter, or just using a permalink. Really awesome. How about tab jump? This is for all you insane uh, multi-tab users in your Chrome browser. I know this is the way a lot of people operate. Um, if you open your browser and uh, have a ton of different tabs and you find yourself kind of forgetting or losing track of which ones you need to be on, uh, tab jump might be an extension that you're interested in using. If you've got a bunch of tabs open at the same time, and like I said, you're sort of losing track of which one you need to be on. First of all, I've got an idea for that. How about just don't have so many tabs open? Stop that. But, but if you have to, maybe it's part of a project you're doing, you're someone like Geis who is working on many things at all the time. Tab Jump does a lot of different stuff. Kind of the coolest one that actually did seem useful to me maybe is um, it'll highlight the most frequently used tabs and other tabs that seem related to that. So you can sort of easily switch back and forth between those without clicking on a bunch of different ones to see where you might have left off. Um, if you close a tab by accident, it kind of protects those and lets you restore them. Just little uh, other little tricks to really like uh, jump quickly from one tab to the next or, or locking a certain tab. If it's really important that it doesn't close, maybe you're typing in some into some kind of a form where if the tab closes, all those fields where your typing will be cleared out and you don't want that to happen, you can lock it, uh, which sounds pretty cool as well. So this is more maybe a teacher productivity thing, but perhaps even a recommendation for your students if they're working on a project where there's a bunch of tabs open as well. Tab jump could be a pretty cool way to enhance uh, enhance that work for them. All right, so let's go on to another one that's similar but different, and it's called Toby. And Toby is better than bookmarks because it levels up your Chrome browser. It's a visual workshop that lives on every new tab. Add new tabs by dragging and dropping your browser tabs into collections. So we're taking those tabs and we get to organize them. That should make Nick happy. You could add new tabs by uh, dragging and dropping them into browser tabs collections uh, area and you can save a whole session in just one click so you have all those tabs open and now so if you're working with three different projects and you have all those tabs up now you have the ability to just uh, click on the tab drag it and drop it into a collection so now you can organize your tabs any way that you see fit uh, I'm just gonna throw out that you know this is another one I'm gonna try but it's going to have to be pretty awesome in order to beat one tab. Yeah, I'm noticing there's some, I'm going to do another one next too, but there's a lot of these tab manager extensions. One tab is the one that Geis and I have traditionally talked about a lot. Now you've got Toby, and I'm going to give you another one called Cluster. Like you said, you got to try them all. If there's one that works best for you, then that's the one you're going to go with, or maybe even a couple of them. But in that process, check out Cluster. It's just a kind of a similar thing to the ones we just talked about, a, a window or tab manager for Chrome. It helps you manage 
a bunch of open tabs, uh, sort of in a very similar way. It's got like a quick navigation menu to help you open different windows and tabs really quickly. You can save and restore different windows that you're closing and opening as well. And you do the same thing with uh, different tabs you've got open in the browser, like restoring things that you closed or locking them so they can't close. Uh, so definitely, like I said, just another one to check out. Maybe this one's features will work a little bit better for you. Uh, the next one I'll go with uh, kind of reminds me of one that I just did about saving collections across the whole internet and this one is called voice in so as you're looking at a web page if you click the voice in extension it allows you to basically click on any part of that website and just start talking and it's going to record your voice so on that web page it's going to take it basically an image uh, shot of that web page and it's going to show that you annotated it with a voice so if you go to a i don't know a database and on that database is an article and you want to find a quote in there that you really, really like. You might say, this article is, is where I found this quote. Uh, save this for my work cited. And you can go back to it and that voice comment will be there. Uh, so that one's kind of cool for research. It's also cool for teachers if they find a web page or a website that they really want to use and maybe it's two, three units or chapters down the road, they could come back to it later and know exactly what they were looking at and why they liked it. Sounds really cool. Here's another one that I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it. I believe it's called Zotero Connector. The spelling there is Z-O-T-E-R-O, Zotero Connector. If you are scouring the web for resources or have your students do some type of research and you know you're going to be looking at a lot of different websites, a lot of different sources, a lot of different file formats, maybe PDFs, maybe some text in the browser itself. Uh, Zotero Connector lets, uh, lets you easily save those references uh, from your web browser so you can check back and look at them later. It's free, it's easy to use, so anybody can get in there and try this out. Uh, so imagine you're browsing a web page, it's sort of going to automatically sense when you get to content as you're browsing the web and it lets you save that with one single click, uh, just within the Chrome browser itself. It's really super easy. You can go back uh, then to that saved collection later and kind of scan it for what's important and what's not important. It also lets you do like, uh, if it's on a web page, you can sort of take a snapshot of that web page and it'll save the image so you don't have to go back to the actual page later. You can just view the saved image. My favorite thing about this is that it works sort of across all platforms. So if you're doing really super academic research on like a JSTOR database or something like that, you can save the PDFs from there. But also if you're reading like a New York Times article, again, where it's the actual body of the text on the browser itself, Itself, you can save it in that image style. Uh, I think this could be a really valuable tool for uh, sort of categorizing and saving resources uh, as you do research. All right, so I guess I'll just finish this up. I've, we've gone over, what, 19, 20 of these things? Yeah, 20. Did I start or did you start? I guess I, you started. I think so, yeah. All right. Uh, the last one is Push Bullet. And what this is allows you to do is bring all your devices together. So think about it this way. We text using our phone. We text each other. Sometimes I text myself just as a reminder. So say that we want to share links, images, whatever that resource may be with each other. I'm thinking I would use this as a PLC. So I'm in a PLC with three other people, Nick included, and we have some sort of piece of tech that we want to talk about and I found an article on it I can easily push that resource from my phone to my computer or if as long as everyone else in your PLC has push bullet you could also send it to them so uh, you click on a link on your phone you push bullet 
it over to everybody else in your PLC and it automatically comes up as a notification on their computer. I can see this getting out of hand a little bit, especially if you have a large group and you all have push bullets. So I would uh, either limit it to personal use where you're sending it from your phone to your computer or maybe to a small PLC or you know maybe someone that you team teach with. Otherwise, you're going to get all these notifications all the time. But I see this being very valuable because oftentimes I'm using my phone to find cool things and oftentimes I end up sending a link to my email so this will clean up my email a little bit and just have it in a push bullet and you can change the settings so when a push bullet notification comes through it automatically opens it up onto your computer or you can save it for later so that is 20 different ed tech tools apps extensions that we're going to kind of check out and be excited about for 2020. Yeah, uh, so hopefully there's something that works for uh, our listeners there. I know I've got a bunch of new things I want to try. And remember, guys, if you are a listener, uh, new or old, subscribe, give us a review and tell your friends to check out gottech.com for all the latest blogs and postings. wrap up today's episode uh just letting you know where you can find us over the next couple of months uh first off uh the njecc conference is next week so go uh check out njecc website and uh they might still have uh openings for that conference but if not Go check it out, see what they're offering so next year you could be a part of the fun. We're also going to be at the Gifted and Talented Conference in South Jersey in March, but uh, online we're pretty active. I know I'm a part of a couple Twitter chats that I just want to throw out there. On uh, Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I like to uh, crash the hashtag mastery chat. Um, with the Teach Better team uh, party there. Uh, that's always a great chat. There's a lot of good ideas. They're very active with that chat. And the other one that is becoming a new uh, favorite of mine is called hashtag capital B capital L in action. That's hashtag BL in action. It stands for blended learning in action. And that is on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and the uh, moderator for that is Charity Dodd. So go find Charity Dodd and uh, follow her. Uh, she's very active on uh, Twitter chats as well and has so many awesome resources that she shares and she's just a great person to follow on social media we're hoping to get her on a future episode of got tech so stay tuned for that till next time make sure you check us out on twitter at we got tech and at our website www.gottech.com Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geis and I individually at Geis Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.